Our gospel lesson is printed for us on page 10 in our bulletins. It comes from Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. And this section of God's word is the basis for this morning's sermon. We read. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. In 1973, uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid hit the silver screen, and the movie came out to mixed reviews. It wasn't really that good of a movie. But the soundtrack to the film, that received BAFTA awards or was nominated for BAFTA awards for best sound or song and I think Grammys. It, it was largely composed by Bob Dylan. And probably the most iconic piece of music that came out of that entire film was the song Knocking on Heaven's Door. In the film, Sheriff Baker gets mortally wounded. He's shot while they're hunting for Billy the Kid. And as the sheriff stumbles off to a, a nearby river bank to prepare himself to die, in the background, the haunting tune of knocking on heaven's door begins to play. The sheriff's wife sees her husband stumbling on off toward the river bank, and so she goes chasing after him. And the two of them sit there and tear-stained faces, and, and all of a sudden you hear Dylan sing, Mama, take this badge from me. I can't use it anymore. It's getting dark, too dark to see. Feels like I'm knocking on heaven's door. And as the husband and wife stare at each other, and you can tell they're just preparing for his death, the sun begins to set in the background, and as the scene fades to black, you hear that haunting refrain, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I figured because we're in a movie theater, I could actually show you that video clip. So if you don't mind, let's, let's see that scene that I'm trying to describe. Company's coming. Get in? Chef Baker. Boxer! I want to talk to you.
I know where the kids at. I'll tell you. When you're lying proper on the ground. It'll be the last word you ever hear. Take this badge off of me I can't use it anymore It's getting dark, too dark to see I feel I'm knocking up on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's My wife said, are you sure you want to play that with all the kids in the congregation watching all that shooting? But it's not the movie that I really want you to see because, as I said, as the movie did not really receive that uh, great of a claim. And as you can see, the acting's kind of cheesy. But it's the sound, the song that I want you to pay attention to this morning, that song that, that Dylan wrote. You can sense from the lyrics that it is, it is a very haunting song, right? It's an ideal song to be played at a death scene. But even more than the lyrics, and you might not have picked up on this right away because it's a little bit subtle, but in the back of your mind you would have sensed this. It's the music itself that makes this the ideal song for a death scene. Because the chords, the chords of music that Dylan chose when he was writing this are, are called unsettled or unsolved or unresolved chords. Now, when I read that, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, so I talked to our director of music ministry, and this is one of those ladies who just knows everything about music. And so she started saying, well, it's a one, four, seven, three, two. I don't know. She said a whole bunch of numbers that I didn't understand. But she finally boiled it down for the preacher, and she said, it's, it's basically this. Some music has a very happy sound to it, and some music has a sad sound to it. Some music, as it goes through a cadence, it resolves itself. Other music, as it goes through that cadence, it just never really resolves itself. It's unresolved, it's unsettled, it's unfinished. Well, those are the chords that Dylan used for this song. It's the musical equivalent to a cliffhanger. So it's as if the artist is taking us to the edge of a cliff, and we're standing right precariously on the edge of that cliff, and we don't know what's going to happen. Is there going to be a slip? Is there going to be a, a, a plummeting down, down, down? Or at the last minute, is somebody going to grab and pull us back from the edge of that cliff? We're uncertain. We're unsettled. It's unresolved. These unresolved chords are ideal for a death scene. And as our lesson for this morning is being spoken to us, we can almost hear in the background Dylan's unresolved chords. 
Jesus says to us this morning in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 23, Then Jesus went through towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? So Jesus has been traveling along the border of Judea and Samaria, and as he's been traveling along, he's been preaching a message of repentance. He's been begging people to produce fruits in keeping with repentance. And you can sense there's a, there's a passion to Jesus' preaching. There's an urgency. There's, there's time's running out because Jesus knows his time on this earth is not long. We're only nine chapters away from Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial. Soon Jesus will be, and these are Jesus' words, Jesus will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. So death is in the air. So it doesn't surprise us at all that some nameless someone in the crowd would ask, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And you can sense the uncertainty, the uneasiness, the unresolved feeling with inside of that certain someone. They don't know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, why it's going to happen. They're on the edge of that cliff and they're, they're unsure and they're uncertain. And Jesus this morning imagines that sometimes you might feel that way when you think about knocking on heaven's door. And so Jesus seeks to resolve the unresolved, and he does that by describing heaven's door to us. And today Jesus says to you and to me, that heaven's door, it's narrow. One day it will be closed, but today it's open to you. The door to heaven is narrow. Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Heaven's door is narrow. It's only about this wide. It's only about as wide as the outstretched arms of our Savior as He hung on the cross suffering for our sins. You see, Jesus is that narrow door. And Jesus makes this abundantly clear in other passages, other places he says things like, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is that narrow door through which we must go if we want to get into heaven. And Jesus tells us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door. But in order for us to fit through heaven's door, we have to get rid of all that sinful baggage. And that's what I was trying to demonstrate in the children's lesson before, that sin is like baggage and it makes us too bulky to fit through heaven's door. With the children, I use the example of luggage, but let's be honest, if we were going to use an illustration of our sin Maybe a steamer trunk? Better yet, a, a cargo container? Several cargo containers? Because when you think about a lifetime of your sin, a lifetime of indulging and gratifying your sinful nature, a lifetime of compromising your faith so that you can get away with that sin, at least you tell yourself that, a lifetime of justifying and rationalizing why that sin that you just committed really isn't that bad after all. When you think about a lifetime of sin, would you not fill at least one cargo container? 
Our sin makes us too bulky to fit through heaven's door. And when we hold on to that sin, when we make excuses and rationalize that sin, when we do not repent of that sin and therefore are not forgiven of that sin, that sin is like bulky baggage and we will not fit through heaven's door. The only way that we can fit through heaven's narrow door is through Jesus. It's to confess that sin. It's to take all of that sinful baggage and unburden ourselves at the foot of the cross. It's to confess that sin, to say that this thing that I have done, it is wrong. It is a violation of God's holy law. There's no excuse, no justification, no reason I can give. It's just simply wrong. And you put it at the foot of the cross, and then you trust. You trust that Jesus suffered and died to pay for that sin, that specific sin as well. And you trust that Jesus has the power to take that sin away from you. And then you pray. You pray that God gives you the strength to stop doing that sin, to sit, make, commit that sin no more. God, strengthen me. I don't want to do that sin anymore. Only when you confess your sin and therefore are forgiven of your sin, only then, only then do you fit through heaven's narrow door. The door to heaven is narrow. And one day, it will be shut. If that's not a chilling statement. Jesus warns us in our lesson this morning. He says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. A time is coming when that door will be shut. Jesus says elsewhere, no one knows about that day or hour. That is, no one knows when that time will come, but it will come. Like a thief in the night, it will come. Uh, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, it will come. And when that day comes, that door will be shut. There will be people standing on the outside, banging on the door, begging, pleading, Sir, sir, please, let me in. So it begs the question, does it not? Who are those people? Who are the, the shut-out ones? Well, Jesus tells us there are people who claim familiarity with Jesus. There are people who say, well, Jesus, we, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. There are people who know who Jesus is. They're the people whose mamas and daddies brought them to church when they were little. Now, these days, they may not actually attend church all that often, maybe at Christmas or Easter a couple times a year. But they still recognize that Jesus is a good teacher of morality, and so they try to live good moral lives, at least compared to their neighbors. And while they may not actually know what it says, they still swear by the good book, and maybe they even have some distant cousin that's a preacher somewhere. And so they say, I know who Jesus is. 
There are others who have spent their entire lives in the church, surrounded by the means of grace, spoiled by having the means of grace around them. They, they probably had their names listed in a church membership book somewhere. They might be on the church mailing list. Maybe they even have those cool little offering envelopes that you get and you put your money in and you get to put it in the plate, right? And they've spent their entire life in the church, but... When they come to worship, they're really just lethargically listening. They're just going through the motions. They're not really engaged. They're not really paying attention. But they think they know who Jesus is. We know who you are, they say as they weep and gnash their teeth. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. I don't know you. You who saw me as nothing more than a teacher of morality, I don't know you. I don't know you. You who confuse church membership with discipleship, I don't know you. Away from me. All you evildoers. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All who fail to truly know Jesus in life will be unknown by Jesus for all eternity. They will spend eternity on the outside of that door, banging, begging, pleading, crying, weeping, but forever. Shut out. Talk about an unresolved chord. Martin Luther said of this verse, he said, that's enough to frighten the greatest saints. But the real question is, does it frighten you? The door to heaven is narrow, and one day it will be shut. But today, today it is open to you. Jesus continues, he says, People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. By the grace of God the Father who called you to be His own before there was and is, He claimed you as His own child. By the grace of God the Son whose sacrifice has paid for all of your sins, those sins that you indulged, those appetites, and all those times that you compromised your faith, and even your attempts to rationalize and justify your sins, the blood of Jesus has washed all those sins away. And by the grace of God the Holy Spirit, who in time called you by the gospel, sealed you with the waters of baptism, and is at this very moment strengthening your faith with the proclamation of the Word of God. By the grace of God, you are the people who have come from the north and the south and the east and the west. You are part of the people who have come from all over the world because anybody, anybody who believes in Jesus as their Savior, for that person, for you, that door is open. 
That door to heaven will never be closed upon you. That door to heaven, because you believe in Jesus, will always be open for you. And so when that day comes and you find yourself staggering off to whatever nearby river bank there is and preparing yourself to die, it will not be the unresolved chords of Bob Dylan that you hear playing. It will be the sound of angels. 10,000 times 10,000 angels singing glorious praise to God. It will be the sound of the prophets and the apostles and all of the saints, all of the dead believers who have gone before you. They're all in heaven rejoicing. All the heavenly hosts are celebrating the fact that another saint, that you are being ushered to your seat at the banquet table in the heavenly kingdom. My friends, yes, the door to heaven is narrow, but you know who Jesus is. He is the one to whom you confess your sin. He is the one from whom you receive forgiveness. You know who Jesus is, and so forever the door to heaven will be open for you. The door to heaven is narrow. One day it will close. But today, oh, praise God, today, that door is open to you. Amen.